welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hey everyone, I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today. We're excited to bring you another in our series of interviews with top leaders in health IT. And our guest today is Manny Krikaris, he's CEO of Augmedics. Welcome, Manny. Hey, John, great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so excited for this discussion. Uh, as everyone in my audience knows, I love ambient clinical voice, but you guys have gone through quite an evolution. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the evolution of Augmedics, the company. Sure. Well, I'm relatively new to uh, healthcare. Uh, I come from software and semiconductors and other uh, technology sectors, uh, but I joined Augmetics because I really, really got excited about the opportunity that lay in front of the company. Uh, Augmetics, and my background, sorry, uh, I started life out as a banker. Okay, uh, And then uh, transitioned to technology uh, in Silicon Valley a long time ago. Ended up working for a variety of companies, including an Elon Musk company for a few years as his CFO, um, and learned a great deal about technology and growing businesses, um, scaling them. Um, what attracted me to Augmetics was the opportunities I mentioned and um, the strength of the product market fit that the company had at the time I joined the company. And my mandate was to figure out how to scale a business uh, using my background in software to uh, help automate the process of nice. documenting the medical note. Well, I think that's the key for Augmetics is documenting the note. Now, talk to us about your Augmetics Go solution. What is that? How does it work? Sure. So let me just go a little bit backwards in time. And yeah. we, we brought to market the whole idea of virtual ambient medical documentation 11 years ago. So we got in this game really early. Uh -huh. um, but the extent of the work that we did at the time was simply arbitrage labor, if you will. Yeah. Uh, substitute lower cost labor for very expensive labor, the clinician or part of that clinician staff. Uh -huh. um, my mandate was to remove the labor part of it. And we evolved our product portfolio from being very labor intensive to provide full service and ancillary services with our live product to the launch of our Go product, which is got no people involved. It's a piece of software, if you will, uh, that a physician can download. And what they get is at the end of that process, the ambient exchange between a doctor and a patient is a draft of a medical note in its normal structure. Um, so that's the, the evolution of the company, if you will, from a very labor intensive, uh, you know, one to one relationship between a clinician to something that's a piece of software. Interesting. I mean, that's what I think people don't understand. And I love the way you framed it. We went from, you know, doctors doing it to scribes doing it to virtual scribes doing it that are <laughs> less expensive because, you know, you can outsource it and different things to now technology, which I, 
you know, to me has always been the key crux here. Can the technology do all the documentation for us? Because if it can, then the price lowers, exactly. then the immediacy you know, happens rather you know, humans take time right. longer than technology. So how does your solution compare to other solutions in this space? Now I can list them, Nuance Dax, Copilot, Suki, AWS HealthScribe, Ambient Healthcare, Endpoint Healthcare Solutions, uh, <laughs> Nabla, uh, who else do you think? Okay, you've, you've done your homework, <laughs> right. There are, well, look, um, large language models, which we've been working with for two years. Uh -huh. um, so we used open source models a couple of years ago to augment our own proprietary models. But um, today, automation is table stakes in our business, quite frankly. Um, that's just, you need that just to get in the game. Right. Um, what do you do beyond that? that leverages that technology to actually get the most out of it. And that's, I think, what differentiates one customer from another. Um, I can't speak to our competitors. Okay. Uh, you probably know as much about them as I do. Uh, but I can tell you about our company and our product, uh, Go. And one thing that we, where we think we're very different is how we evolved as a company. We... <laughs> When I came to the company, I spent a few weeks when I first joined sitting with people, scribes, who were responsible for actually converting the ambient conversation into a medical note. They did that manually. Uh -huh. And I concluded after two weeks, there is no way you could train me for five years and I would never be proficient in that task. So how do you go about automating it? First step is break down the process into various steps, discrete steps build tools for each one of those steps, and then start automating each of those tools as much as you can. So we built proprietary natural language processing models. Um, we built structured data sets and data models um, that correspond to over 500 medical complaints that people come to okay. see a doctor for. Interesting. And, and those helped us um, create a framework for building a model um, and automating the output uh, from that ambient conversation. And if you look at what LLMs do and the, the data sets that are used to drive a, an LLM, those data sets are independent of the data sets we use to drive our structured data models, our NLP algorithms. Hmm. Okay. So we have two independent sources of input or data sets to serve as a guardrail, if you will, against hallucinations and other artifacts that are inherent in a large language model. Um, and we feel that that produces a better result, number one, uh, in terms of accuracy. It also allows us to generate a medical note that this is not simply a summary of the conversation. In the conversation that happens, like the one we're having today, I could interject this discussion right now and talk about that interesting poster over there, right? <laughs> sure. And that will be reflected in the transcript and maybe the, the LLM will extract it, maybe it won't, and it'll show up in the, uh, in the medical note. Well, think about medication, for example. Well, a doctor may talk to a patient and cover medication three or four times throughout that conversation, mm -hmm. not always in the same place. Yeah. Well, that's going to be reflected in that medical note. The medical note is a flat file. 
Yeah, the okay. patient could even suggest a medication that the doctor doesn't want for that. Exactly <laughs> right. And, and, it'll be, and so from a review perspective, it means that your review as a physician, because it's a fully automated product, so the physician does all the QA, they have to re read the whole thing to see where medication appeared. So what we do is we not only deliver the medical note, that flat file, uh -huh. but in the process of generating that, we create metadata, a structured database of information, all the granular information that occurred during that transcript, during that conversation. And so you'll have, separate from the medical note, all the organized information, mm -hmm. medication, symptoms, family history, all that stuff right there. The other thing is the user interface that we provide okay. is shows all of the steps that take place in creating the medical note. Interesting. So the transcript, the NLP that highlights the key elements within that transcript that we believe are relevant for the medical note, then <laughs> the application of what we call Note Builder that basically decompiles each one of those elements into this structured data, this metadata, mm -hmm. the very granular detail. And all of that is used to serve as prompts for the LLM. Wow. So you're not asking the LLM a general question, create a medical note from this transcript. You're asking very specific, you're closing that aperture of the question, asking a very specific question so that you get a very specific answer. So the answer, the likelihood of that answer being accurate is much higher. Interesting. I like that approach. So talk to us about what is the workflow look like for a clinician? Is it a phone with a button you'd start? Is it a computer? Is it, you know, how does it work? It's one of these things. Uh -huh. It's a smartphone. About 94% of our doctors have smartphones. The others have smart glass. I was going to say, I, I'm, I'm surprised it's not 100%. Yeah. Smart glass makes yeah. sense. Okay. Um, <laughs> and primarily in, in, in a hands-free environment like sure, the emergency sure, department. Uh, some physicians prefer that. Uh, but we're we're evaluating different form factors uh, for the uh, for the application. The key for us, from a physician perspective, is to make sure that what they need to understand is what appears in the medical note must be articulated, must be verbalized. We cannot read minds. We can't infer. Okay. There is technology where you can use inference, but it's prone to error. Right. And, this you isn't know, a place for inference. No, this is not a place for inference. So you've got to make sure that the physician and the patient articulate, you know, what what they're discussing. With the, we hear it. So, if, for example, during a physical exam, or when the patient walks in and says, "What's a doctor asks, what's hurting you? What's ailing you?" They may be pointing to a body part. Sure. If the doctor doesn't say, "Oh, that's the right elbow that's yeah. hurting you." And what we found, which is interesting, is that patients actually prefer it when doctors articulate, as opposed to kind of processing information in their minds. They're expressing their thoughts. Yeah, and makes sense. It's informative to the patient, so they feel like they're they're being listened to, and they understand actually what that that course of conversation is leading to. Do you have a training for the doctors to kind of change these things? You know, like you said, to articulate what's being seen or, or we, does that happen automatically? We do. Or what, we, how do you approach we, that? We've had, remember, we've had 11 years of experience doing sure. this. So, um, well, and they're used to it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and now they understand that, look, this technology is ambient class technology and it's become so pervasive now and so popular right. that uh, they understand that if we don't hear it, we can't know about it. Right. So that's the one change. And 
And quite frankly, sometimes, particularly in an emergency department, which is very chaotic, you have to send reminders. Mm. You know, and that's interesting. That's one of the benefits we have, and I'm not sure our competitors do, uh, which we think is unique. We have a bi-directional, real-time communication channel to the point of care. Huh. And what that means is we're not just pulling information from the point of care, we're also pushing information to the point of care. So being able to do that allows us to make sure that we get capture all the information we need so we don't have to guess or infer or leave gaps in the medical note. We're getting that information back to us. Hmm. That is interesting. Like, What are some of the messages? Is it like... We need more info on this patient, or next time do this, or like what, what kind well, of messages it, are sent? It's a great question, John. So, they there's a wide range of messages, sure. uh, including it's the beauty know, of two way communication, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it could be clarification of something that was, okay. you know, the doctor and the patient may have spoken over each other, and so it didn't come through okay. in the transcript. It's not clear. Send a message, hey, um, could you repeat that last part about the shoulder? Uh -huh. um, or it could be much more uh, clinical in nature where based on the EHR of that particular patient, um, we may send a nudge to the doctor saying, by the way, doctor, please rem remember that this patient is diabetic. Hmm. Ask them about Interesting. this. So clinically related. Right. Um, so we have that ability to do that. And it's not just information that we have that makes use of this bi-directional communication channel. If you heard... Uh, Dr. Schlosser from uh, HCA talk about their use of augmetics and why they have been so bullish about augmetics. It's this bi-direction communication channel, mm -hmm. the ability to effectuate change at the point of care. They've, they've engaged with a handful of vendors who are much smarter than we are in terms of clinical um, expertise to implement certain changes uh, within the emergency department. And um, today, this the, the, I'll give you an example. The, the state of, 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 that, of that particular service is the doctor needs to refer to a website or go into the EHR and look at protocols. You know, what do I do next when I encounter this with this particular patient? Uh -huh that's exhibiting this symptom. And you know, you're asking the doctor in the heat of the moment to proactively, okay, go on the website and check this out and, and follow the, the decision tree. And it's a multi-layered sure. series of decision trees. Uh -huh. That's very hard to do. Sure. Uh, so we think, and EHC agrees, that a more passive approach that uses AI would be much more powerful. And that's the beauty of having this bi-directional communication channel. You're able to pull in the information, uh -huh. okay, run it through the algorithm and say, oh, you know what? This is the next step in that protocol. Mm -hmm. You push it back to the doctor in real time. So they don't have to guess. They don't have to log into a website, follow something. Yeah. Um, so it's a very powerful tool to effectuate that change and to make sure you're not making mistakes or missing things sure. where it's most critical. 
Interesting. So let's talk more about the workflow. You talked about the phone. You, you I, I imagine it's hit record and it records ambiently, right? A classic uh, that we're all familiar with now. Does the note go automatically into the EMR? Does it go somewhere and then gets exported? The, talk us about the integration with the EHR and what the workflow is kind of post note creation, if you will. Correct. So if we are integrated into the EHR, then it automatically gets uploaded into the EHR without any hands requirement, you know, any, any human involvement. Uh, where we're not, then you either have the customer do it, the doctor then has to push it into the EHR, so some copy and paste function, um, or we do it for them. Okay. So they have that so choice. Scribes could, that right? Uh, and <laughs> we don't call them scribes either. We call them yeah. medical documentation specialists okay. because their job is much broader than inscribe. They don't free type. We don't. Yeah, that makes sense. Nobody does. Even for the live solution, they don't uh -huh. do that anymore. Um, so um, that's the that's the process in terms of the workflow. How do we get it back to the EHR? There's three possibilities: integrated, doctor does it, we do it. Got you. And, and we talked a little bit about this, but I just want to make sure it's clear because everyone always asks. How much of this is automated with technology versus humans? Obviously, you do have a human solution that you've had for 11 years, right? Uh, but I'm you know, talking more specifically Augmetics Go solution. It's fully automated. Correct. No There's no human involvement. No, no. Um, and I, like I said before, those are table stakes today in our business. Mm -hmm. um, I think what you need to do as a company to be able to actually engage on a commercial scale with large enterprises, and we're in four of the top 10, seven of the top 20 in the US, is you've got to deliver more than what the, just the technology is able to deliver to engender the trust that is necessary to be able to uh, get into those um, big enterprises. Being high trust certified is one big step. Um, and we're one of only two companies in our industry that is high trust certified. Um, but there's all sorts of other things you need to do to make sure that, that technology is doing what it's being asked to do and that your customers trust it. So do not, from my view or our view, do not deliver a black box solution. That will not engender trust. Mm. You need to expose what you're doing, how you're doing it, so that they understand, okay, here's some of the limitations. And what do you do as a company to address those limitations? So there are certain things that we do tactically uh, to help address them. As I mentioned before, the guardrails where we're mm -hmm. using two independent sources sure. to compare the output. Well, when they diverge, we flag it, we highlight it in the note. So this is what so you need to pay attention to. Right, if it doesn't nice. meet our confidence level in terms of you know, how confident we are in the output, we flag it. Interesting. So let's talk about that. Like, how accurate is the solution? How do you evaluate, you know, how many corrections the doctor's making or how precise it is? How do you look at kind of accuracy? It's a fantastic question and it's really important. So you can just be laissez-faire and say, hey, you know what, doctor? Good luck. Here it is. Um, you're going to, you know, you're paying me a very low price and you're getting what you That's paid what for. That's what voice recognition was for a long time. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, or what you could do is take steps to make sure that um, your models are learning from mistakes that they make. And there's two things that we do from a QA perspective uh, to ensure that. So we do QA uh, a priori. So we do it ahead of time to make sure that the models are, are accurate. We also do audits 
of the completed note. So okay. we compare what the finished note is in the EHR after the doctors edited it and compare it to what we put there okay. before the doctor touches it. Interesting. And we do red line comparisons. And if those red lines exceed a certain threshold, if they're material, then we take action. And sometimes the problem is human error on our part, sometimes not frequently, it's a doctor, uh -huh. uh, but sometimes it's the model. Mm. And that's where machine learning comes in. And so we modify the models based on that feedback we get from that comparison to make sure that the accuracy is as high as it can be. And if you, John, go out and talk to some of our customers, the one common theme you'll hear from them, I believe, is the quality of our notes. They are very, very high. They really trust the quality. And that's a really hard thing to achieve within a big enterprise. Yeah, interesting. And, and does this product work across every specialty, or how do you kind of view, are you focused on a few specific specialties? I mean, obviously you mentioned urgent care, you know, but like, is that how you focus, or does it work for everyone? Or, you know, how do you think about the specialty so specific? So we, we cater to over 35 specialties today. Okay. So we have a pretty broad swath of specialties that we cover. The top six account for about 80% of patient visits. Um, and I should say, we, we, we document today, I think it's at least 70,000 a week. Um, wow. So we're getting a lot of data uh, across a wide spectrum of, of specialties. So we do, we do cover a lot of them. Now, we also do different care settings. We okay. started like everybody else in the ambulatory setting, clinical uh -huh. setting, but HGA asked us, and we took on the challenge of developing something for the emergency department, nice. which is very complicated. Yeah. You know, the workflow is nonlinear, um, it's ad hoc, you don't have a schedule, and you've got to go back and forth, back into the EHR yep. to, up, to pick up updates from labs and radiology, et cetera, that a doctor might order for a patient, feed them back into, the, into your app, um, so that the doctor just looks at the app and says, okay, I got it, now I can do the next step uh, yeah. in my evaluation of this patient. No, it's a very different workflow. And I think that's where it's gonna be interesting because you're right, we've started in ambulatory, but all the nurses want it. <laughs> all the hospitals want it. You know, everyone yep. wants. It. I mean, to be fair, we don't like the documentation we have to do for the travel works for this conference, right? So, no, <laughs> nobody likes the overhead of documentation. Right. So that, that's why the solution's so interesting and powerful, and why we're so excited for the space. I think. Yeah, we are too. We are too, and we we think. Look, at, at some point, it's going to go beyond beyond the medical note itself. The medical yeah. note is low-hanging fruit today, but... You know, it's solving a big problem, but you're... It's solving a huge problem, a but there's... Other. If you think of... Look, I'm new to healthcare, so when I saw the structure of this industry, I was baffled. <laughs> you know, you've got a customer that comes in, gets service from somebody, from a service provider. That service provider then turns to a third party to say, hey, can you manage the building and collection for me? And then that building and collection entity then goes to a, yet another party to say, can you pay this claim for my customer? Uh, and so... And then the a, employer's paying... The <laughs> you've got a lot... Yeah, you've got a long value chain there. And every the longer it is, of course, the most, more inefficient it is. And what can compress that or reduce that inefficiency is the quality of information that flows through it. And today, the quality of information is really, really poor. Hmm. I mean, compared to other industries I've been in. 
And essentially, I feel bad for the RCM companies in this industry because they're being asked today to count the dead after the war has been fought. Yeah. You know, because the data they have, the information they have is really poor. They have a hard job. So they true. do. Um, and, you know, we've we met with many of them. And so step one is, okay, look, let's empower them with really comprehensive, accurate medical notes. That's easy. Okay, we do that today. Step two, give them structured data, the detail they need to support that particular claim, provide even, you know, coding suggestions, yeah. you know, and better yet, provide the audit trail, go to the source of truth, connect them to those specific claims and codes, nice. right? Because we've got the transcript, we've got yeah. the audio file. Yeah, for sure. And so that, we believe, is going to have a profound effect on the iterations that occur today that create all this cost. And by the way, I've read, and I don't know how accurate this is, that some big healthcare enterprises spend as much as 25% of their revenue on billing and collection. That is crazy. That's a yep. trillion dollars of waste. Yep, there's a lot of opportunity there. Right. Just go to HFMA and you see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Manny, this was awesome. I appreciate you giving us some insights into Augmedics and, and especially the Augmedics Go uh, solution that uh, you know is part of this whole ambient clinical voice space. I, I learned a lot and I think our audience will as well. So Fantastic, thank you. thank you, John. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareitoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcasting applications. Thanks, Manny. Thank you.